Good morning, Dream City. How are we doing this morning? Can we give God some praise before we kick off today, man? We serve a good God. I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful to be back home with you this morning. I don't know if you miss me, but I sure as heck missed you guys. There's no place like home. And, man, there's a lot of great churches, and God's doing some beautiful things in so many ministries. But I'll tell you what, I think what God's doing here in Dream City McAllister is so unique, so special, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. And I'm so happy to have you here as a part of it this morning. God is so good. And as you can tell, Christmas is in full swing here at Dream City Church. And um, we had a couple trees out front, and they came to me a few weeks ago, Angel's Tree, Ryan's Tree. And they said, Mark, we got a bunch of presents that we, that we need people to buy for. I mean, we got a bunch left. They said, how many do you want? And I said, I'll take them. They said, no, there's like 500 of them. I said, I know, I'll take them because this is the most generous, loving, caring church on planet Earth. I'll take them. So maybe the only gift that some of these babies are going to get for Christmas, and you have an opportunity today to show them that there's a God in heaven that still loves them, and there are still good people in this world whose faith is more than just talk but action this morning. So my prayer is today that when I leave here at some point tonight, because it's going to be an extremely long day, but I really want to see that tree naked. I do, right? I, you guys can do it. You're up for the challenge, all those presents. I think we can do it. And this is a very busy week. Um, Tuesday, we start our field trips and we got field trips Tuesday, we got field trips Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two a day, a morning session, an afternoon session. We have an event Thursday night with foster families from DHS. We have an event Sunday night with parents who have babies with some special needs. Oh, and it's always this time of the year that I look at the, the calendar and I just think, good Lord, like, who's putting this stuff on this calendar and the answer is always the same, friends. It's me. There's no one else to blame but me. But uh, I just have this belief that we only get one life. And time is ticking. And God has called this church to reach as many people as possible. I tell people all the time, church is not a competition as far as with other churches. Like, it's not a competition with other churches. I mean, we're supposed to all be on the same team. I wish that every pastor in this town felt that way, but I feel that way. We're on the same team. But it is absolutely a competition because our enemy, our adversary, he does not sleep and he does not take days off. It is a competition, friends. So that being said, I know, I know some of you because you work so hard and you're diligent and you're responsible. You got that PTO time like stored up, some of you guys. And if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And I know the perfect place to use it this week. Some of you got those sick days built up. And I can tell by looking at you this morning, you're looking a little under the weather. Like I'm afraid something might be coming on. So just to be safe, just call your boss. Tell him you're going to be about your father's business this week at Dream City Church. What do you say? As you leave today... Um, Pastor Josh Timmons is going to be out front. If anybody wants to volunteer for any of those shifts this week, that would be beautiful. It really would be so helpful. Uh, don't be afraid of the way Pastor Josh looks. He's, he's a nice guy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Am I right? I mean, Pastor Josh. <laughs> I wish we had a side-by-side. -side. That's great. Thank you for ever did that. Uh, here we go. We're kicking off our last series for the whole year, 2023. 
It's unbelievable. I mean, God's done some phenomenal things this year, hasn't he? Man, I've seen him move in so many lives. I've seen him move in so many families. It's, it has been an absolute privilege. But I want to uh, read you this verse this morning. As we kick off this series, search with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11, you guys know this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Aren't you thankful this morning that God's got good plans for you? I'm so thankful. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now watch this. You will seek me and not just seek me, but you will find me when. There is a little contingency there. Like there is something that you have to do if you want God to hold up his end of the bargain. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your Hard. This is the verse we started with all the way back January 2nd or 3rd. And I just thought it was so fitting to start the year this way, to end the year this way, and to challenge us to, to continue to seek after God with all of our hearts. Because, friends, let me tell you this morning, when you find Jesus, you realize that he was worth the search, man. There is nothing or nobody else quite like Jesus. He's worth the search. It's the title of my message this morning. And this time, 2,000 years ago, you need to understand that the entire Jewish community was waiting for the Messiah to come. They were. They, they had, and, and they had been waiting. It wasn't something that they just started doing. But for thousands of years, the Messiah had been promised for thousands of years, the, the Messiah had been prophesied. So the Jewish community, man, they are looking, they are waiting, watching, praying, hoping. Because you can go all the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve made a terrible decision and sin came into the world. But God already had a plan in place. He made a promise that day that out of that woman there would be a seed that would come that would crush the head of the serpent. The enemy may have felt like he won the battle that day day, but God already had a plan. And I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus has won the war in your life, friends. Man, he, he had a plan. They were waiting for that Savior, for that Messiah to come to undo everything that sin had already done. Fast forward to Exodus chapter 12. The plagues are going on in Egypt, wild, crazy stuff. And the very last plague was the death angel. He's going door to door. And the firstborn, the oldest of every single household is dying. But God had a plan. And told the Israelites that if you would sacrifice a lamb and put his blood on the doorpost, that that death angel would come to your house, but he would pass right on over you when he saw the blood. And it's this beautiful picture that even then, God had a plan that he was going to send his lamb to earth to shed his blood. And for any one of us that has his blood on our lives, how many of you know that the death angel is going to pass over you, friends? You, you might lay down this earthly body, but the real part of you, that part of you that lives forever is going to be alive forever in eternity in heaven, man. In a place that he's prepared for you. A place that he said there is no more sickness, no more dying, no more pain, no more tears, no more arthritis or allergies or mosquitoes or ticks or chiggers. Come on. Paradise. I'm looking forward to this place. 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah describes it. That he would be like a lamb that was led to slaughter. He describes it. That he would be wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that was on him would bring us peace. 
And by his stripes, friends, we can be healed. They were waiting. They were watching. They were hoping. They were praying. Micah chapter 5 even tells us where. In Bethlehem, God is going to raise up a ruler for all of Israel. And wouldn't you know it, sure enough, 2,000 years ago, just like Scripture promised, Jesus was born of a virgin in the city of Bethlehem, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God who came to be with us. Mary and Joseph took him to the temple as was their custom. I want to pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's us this morning, and the glory of your people, Israel. Friends, I can't imagine what that moment was like for Simeon. To understand that for generations and generations and generations, thousands of years, Jews just like him had waited, had watched, had hoped, had prayed, had believed to see the Messiah. But they all died without seeing him. And Simeon, how unbelievably fortunate that through all the generations of time he was on earth at that specific time when the Messiah came to earth. And friends, not just to see the Messiah but to get to behold him, to get to hold the Savior of the world in your arms. I can't imagine what that experience was like, but it had to be incredible because after that moment, Simeon's like, man, I'm good. Beat me up, Scotty. I'm out, right? This is the pinnacle. There's nowhere else to go from here because once you behold and once you experience the Messiah, it changes everything in your life, friends. I'm telling you this morning, I promise you that experience was worth the wait, and I promise you that experience was worth the search in Simeon's life. And he'll be worth the search in your life too, friends, I promise you that. Because it wasn't just Simeon who found the Messiah. So many others found Jesus. The disciples found him. And when they found him, they were willing to leave everything else behind. Just at the opportunity to follow and learn and spend time with this man named Jesus. There's something special about this man named Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, after having done all she could for 12 years and spending all of her money, she finally found Jesus and was willing to break every cultural rule imaginable just to touch Jesus. Come on, just to be able to get a hold of Jesus. There's something about this guy, right? Blind Bartimaeus found Jesus. Actually, Jesus probably found him because he was blind. But regardless, blind Bartimaeus got to encounter Jesus. And no matter how much people said, shh, 
Would you hush down your cause in a scene? Bartimaeus refused to be quiet. He was desperate, willing to do whatever it took to get the attention of Jesus. Just like the leper in Mark chapter 1, when he found Jesus, he did the only reasonable response there is. He fell at his feet. He worshiped and he begged because he knew Jesus was the only answer. Jesus was the only hope. The paralyzed man on the mat found Jesus. And was lucky enough to have four friends that were willing to do whatever it took, rip a hole in the roof to lower that man down in front of Jesus. We need some friends like that in our lives who are willing to do whatever it takes to get us to the feet of Jesus. And can I tell you that even the prostitute found Jesus. And when she finally experienced what true love truly was, she broke that jar of alabaster and poured her life on the feet of Jesus. All of these people went to great, extreme measures because they knew something, friends. And I hope it's the same thing that, that you know down deep in your heart because I, I, I know it in my heart this morning. These people were willing to go to these great lengths because they knew that finding Jesus meant finding a healer. They knew that finding Jesus meant finding some restoration in their life. Finally, somebody that could take these broken pieces of their lives and put them back together. Are you with me this morning? They knew that finding Jesus meant finding true joy and true peace. They knew that finding Jesus meant finding forgiveness. And they knew that finding Jesus meant finding a very different future than anything they had ever experienced in their past. I'm telling you, Jesus is still all of those same things today as he was 2,000 years ago, you can still find him. And I promise you, he is still worth the search this morning, friends. Finding Jesus changes everything. Changes everything, doesn't it? All these people had something in common that Man, I think the church needs to get back a hold of because you probably had it at some point in your life. But, you know, it's easy to remember how bad things were when things start getting good. Isn't it crazy how the blessings of God can actually be a curse on our lives at times? That, didn't, that went over like a lead balloon. But it's true. You don't have to agree. I'm telling you. <laughs> These people had something in common. They, they really did. All of them. They all believed that Jesus was the only hope. That he was the only answer. And they knew that because they had all tried everything there was to try. And they could not fill that void. And they could not meet that need. And they had come to the end of themselves. Sometimes coming to the end of your rope isn't the worst place to be, friends. Because your extremity is God's opportunity to do something incredible in your life. And when you get to the end of yourself, to that extremity, man, it brings you to this place of humility. It says, God, I'm willing to do anything and everything that it's going to require me. But I just got to get a hold of Jesus, man. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And he is still here today for you to grab a hold of him the same he was 2,000 years ago. Amen. So many people found him. So many people missed him. Think about it. It's so sad. So many people missed him. And, you know, it wasn't the prostitutes or the adulterers that missed him. It wasn't the tax collectors or the thieves that missed him. It was the religious leaders. It was the preachers. It was you church folks. Not you, but people like you in the other church down the street. Not you. you. 
so sad to me. But the Pharisees missed him. They, I mean, they missed him. They spent their whole life, you hear me, their whole life studying Scripture. Their whole life memorizing huge portions of Scripture. I mean, unbelievable feats and time dedicated to the Old Testament. They worked so hard to live holy and upright lives. I mean, there was all these laws, and they were so afraid of breaking some of these laws that they created a whole bunch of other laws that made it even harder to ever even get to these laws. I mean, they had laws on top of law, like safety nets, like surely I'm never going to break this law because i got to go through this one and this one to ever get that. I mean, they went to these extreme measures, spent their whole life waiting and watching for the Messiah to appear. And yet, the Messiah stood feet in front of them, and they didn't recognize him. It's so scary, and it's so sad to understand that they had memorized all the words from Scripture, and yet in all that reading and all that memorizing, they completely missed the message. Somehow they missed the message. It's a dangerous place for all of us, friends, especially some of you church folks like me, because you can know all about him and never actually know him, friends. I don't know about you today, but I want to find the real Jesus. I want to know the real Jesus. I want you to know the real Jesus. And if people who were the most religious and studied the most and tried the hardest missed him, what was it in their life that made them miss God? Because I don't want to repeat those same mistakes, friends. I don't know about you. I don't want to fall in that category. So I'm going to give you four ways that I thought that the Pharisees missed Jesus. And hopefully you can avoid these pitfalls. Then I'm going to give you four ways how we're going to find him. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, I am so ready. Look at your other neighbor and say, this guy is phenomenal. Wow, he needs a raise. Come on. Woo. How did they miss him? The first way that I think the Pharisees missed him is that they depended on their works and not on grace. See, Paul makes this very clear in Ephesians chapter 2, friends. Take a picture of this. Take it to heart. Memorize it. It says this, for it is by... Help me out, grace, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the of God, not by so that no one can boast. You can never be good enough to earn God's love. You can also never be bad enough to lose God's love. His love is eternal. And you can never do enough good deeds to deserve salvation. It's impossible. Salvation is the gift of God by grace through faith because he doesn't want any of you knuckleheads being able to boast. I'm so good. I'm so smart. I'm so holy. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Salvation is the greatest gift that he gives freely to anyone that wants to accept it. That's a problem because the Pharisees approached holy living from the outside in. 
They believed if they could act holy enough and do enough holy things that that would make them holy. But no amount of behavior modification ever changes your heart, friend. The only true change happens is when Jesus comes and lives inside of you and he changes you from the inside out, friends. Don't trust in your works. Trust in his grace. Number two, the Pharisees lived right but with the wrong motives. Now, they looked great. Man, they had their hair fixed up just right. They had just the right robes on. Man, they knew that scripture. They could recite that scripture. You look at that person like, dang, man, that guy has got it going on. That's what a believer looks like. But Jesus said that they were whitewashed tombs. They looked great on the outside. But on the inside, Jesus says, they were full of dead men's bones. They were doing all the right things, seemingly, with all the wrong motives. They loved standing on the street corner where everyone could see just how holy I am. And listen to this prayer. Woo! He'd been practicing that one in front of the bathroom mirror. It sounds good. They love being seen. They love being heard. Oh, my gosh, they loved having a title and a position because it made them feel important and gave them a sense of having power in people's lives. They weren't searching those scriptures looking for Jesus. They were searching those scriptures looking for a position. I've been following Jesus for 24 years with all my heart because I just turned 40 a few weeks ago. Now I'm a man. I'm 40. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've learned a lot of lessons. I have found one successful way and one successful way only to follow Jesus and to not burn out in the process. That, that's, that's crucial. I meet a lot of passionate people, and, man, they're all fired up, and, and inevitably, you know, it fizzles out and life happens, yada, yada, yada. For 24 years, people have told me, Mark, you better slow down. You're doing too much. You're dreaming too big. You're, well, here I am 24 years later, and I'm busier than I've ever been, and I'm dreaming bigger dreams than I've ever dreamed. Come on, somebody. And I don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. But I learned the lesson. There's only one motive that really gets you from A to B where you want to be in your walk with God. And that's when you really understand that the only reason I love Jesus is because he loved me first. Now listen, and when you realize that, it really puts things in perspectives, okay? Mark Hannon was lost, was hopeless, was broken, had nothing to give, had nothing to offer. There was nothing appealing to Jesus about my life, yet he loved me anyways. And not only did he love me, he searched for me, he found me, he saved me. He redeemed me, he remade me, he renamed me, he gave me a future, he gave me a hope, he washed away my past, he made all things brand new. What can you do with that kind of love? I didn't do anything to deserve that. The gospel isn't a story about how good you are, it's a story about how good God is. And we lose perspective of that. I didn't do anything to deserve this life. He gave it to me, he blessed me. Any blessing I have in life, he came from him, it's not mine. So what do you do with this unbelievable, reckless, indescribable kind of love? How do you respond to the person that literally gave his life for you? The only reasonable response is to give your life back to him. Now listen, I love you. I miss you. I pray for you. I love pastoring and leading this church. But I don't do what I do for you. 
I do what I do because I am desperately and hopelessly in love with a man named Jesus. And if that is your motivation, friends, it doesn't ever get old. Because how many of you know that people hurt you, people disappoint you, people are crazy. My pastor told me growing up, there's three things you need to remember. God is good, the devil is bad, people are crazy. It's true. I was in Walmart three or four years ago. I hadn't been pastor very long. And I'm minding my own business because that's what I try to do in Walmart, man. Keep my head down, get in, get out. I'm at the self-checkout, minding my own business, doing my stuff. Some lady over here behind me goes, Pastor Mark. I mean, loud. She is waving her hand. Pastor Mark, it's really you. I mean, she's having a conniption. So, I mean, it, it kind of made me feel good because normally people aren't that excited to see me, especially when I come home at night. That's the place where I, people are least excited, but different sermon. So I finished up what I was doing, and I walked over, and, man, this lady's just having a conniption. Oh, my God, it's you, Pastor Mark. I can't believe it's you. And so we talk, and she's <coughs> tell me about her life. And next thing you know, she's asked me to pray for this and pray for that. And I can't help but notice that her countenance just really starts to change throughout this conversation. I mean, her excitement level is, like, going down in a hurry to the point of where I have to ask, like, ma'am, is everything Okay. She goes, well, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's so weird seeing you like this. <laughs> I said, well, everyone's got to go Walmart, you know. I mean, what, what exactly am I? She's like, no, it just, oh, you know, when you're on stage, you just seem so larger than life. And you just seem so brave and bold. But here you just, you seem so ordinary. That's what she said. It's awkward, so I'm trying to, like, crack a little joke, you know. I said, well, yeah, I'm kind of an ordinary guy. Like, I, I, hope, I hope you're not disappointed after meeting me. And she goes, well, to be honest with you, I kind of am. <laughs> and by the time I left Walmart and came back to this church, all of, like, five minutes, she had already texted Blake and asked to be removed from the church text group. Like, she was done, man. <laughs> True story. So if you ever see me at Walmart, you just walk right on by, okay? Because the, you know, Pastor Mark on stage, he's, he's something else. But Walmart, Mark, that guy sucks. He's lame, man. You leave that guy alone. People are crazy. I tell you what, if, if I did what I did because people told me how much they appreciated it, because people celebrated it so much, because the feeling it gave me to have a title or a position. You know, the crazy thing about people that are always looking for titles or positions, most of them never had one. Because as soon as you get a title or a position, really you spend most of your time trying to figure out how do I get rid of this thing, right? The responsibility that comes along with it. The only way you're going to successfully follow Jesus long term it's your only motivation being a deep, genuine, passionate, Jesus, I just love you, and I just want to live every day of my life to bless you. You gave your life for me, and I want to give my life back to you. That's how you do it. Number three, the Pharisees made a massive mistake. They focused on knowledge. And, and knowledge isn't, it's a great thing. We, we, I mean, I, I got a Bible degree. I've been to school. I study. Knowledge is a great thing. But they focused on the knowledge of God without the experience of God. And this is where it becomes very, very, very dangerous because 
the Pharisees could tell you all about their traditions, all about the laws, all about the rules, all about the regulations, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus, friends. And to have rules and regulations and religion without a relationship does nothing but produce death in your life. It is so hurtful and so detrimental, man. But if you will switch that around, and instead of focusing all the rules of the Bible, of the cans and can't do's, right, the quicker we understand that the Bible isn't a rule book, but the Bible's a love story, it would change everything in your life, friends. If you'll switch that around, instead of focusing on rules, you focus on a relationship with Jesus. How can I get to know him? How can I be more like him? How can I spend more time with him? How can I hear his voice more? Something incredible begins to happen. Because the more you experience Jesus, the more you want to experience Jesus. The more you know Jesus, the more you want to get to know Jesus. And the more time you spend with somebody, the more you become to be like that person. All of a sudden, you're making decisions not based on, oh, I can't do this. You're making decisions based on, I don't want to do that. Because I really want to be more like Jesus, friend. That's what it looks like for God to change your life from the inside out. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. And the last thing that they did, it was an epic fail. The Pharisees majored on the minors. If we're not careful, church folks, we can fall into this trap so easily. We have our little pet sins, our little pet scriptures, our little pet doctrines and theologies that, that we weigh on our own scales of judgment of what's better or worse or not so big a deal. And in the long run, we make it very difficult for hurting broken people to find their way to Jesus, which is exactly what the Pharisees did. They really majored on the minors, man. They really lost the plot somewhere away to the point of they were more concerned that Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath, and that was work. They were more concerned about that than the fact that somebody that was broken and hurting got healed. I mean, that was the main part of the story, right? But they had gotten, they had it so backwards, and they had no love for people. And I want you to know today, friends, that people is the heart of God. People are his passion. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So the Pharisee has all these laws and these regulations and these rules, and Jesus shows up on the scene. He's like, you know what? I can sum all that mess up in one commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and Love your neighbor as yourself. That sums up all those rules and regulations. Friends, if you want to major on something, how about not rules and regulations? If you want to major on something, how about we major in love? How about we major in grace and mercy and compassion and kindness and gentleness? and good? Why don't we major in some of those things and watch what God can do in and through your life? Now, briefly, I'm going to give you four ways, surefire ways, you're going to find Jesus if you approach him like this. Are you ready? The first is you've got to search. And not just search. You've got to search with all your heart. You'll seek me and you'll find me. When you seek me with all your heart. When you seek him passionately. When you seek him with some determination. When, when you seek him with the, the actual belief that he's the only hope. That he is the only 
answer. When he becomes the, your singular purpose and vision and the only thing you're seeking, friends, I promise, that's when you find him. That's when you find him. That's what scripture says. If you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added. We worry about all these other things, but we should be worried about the one thing, seeking Jesus with our whole heart. The second thing you need to do is don't search for him out of merit. And that just means that, friends, no matter what you do, you can't earn it. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 64, talking about self-righteousness and accomplishing things in your own strength and your own abilities, it doesn't praise that way of life. It actually does the opposite. It refers to that self-righteousness as filthy rags. Do a little study on that, and it's pretty gross what those filthy rags are. Long story short, he's never going to be impressed by your skills, your talents, your giftings, your abilities. Have we forgotten that he's the one that gave us those things? He's not impressed by it. You want to move God's heart? You want to get his attention? Humility. That's the way to do it, friends. Listen, the more you acknowledge your weakness and your inability, the greater the chances are that you're going to have a real encounter with the real Jesus. Paul said, hey, I could brag about this and this and this. I mean, the accolades are like half a chapter long. He says, I'm not going to brag about any of those things. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses because his power is made perfect in my weakness. If you want to brag about something, man, don't brag about your accolades. That's pride, and he resists the pride. Brag about your weaknesses. Brag about your desperate need for Jesus and watch him move significantly in your life, friends. Number three, this one's not very complex, but it's so true. If you want to find Jesus, then don't stop searching. I'm a firm believer that God has amazing plans, amazing blessings, amazing futures and destinies for every person in this room. But the majority of us don't ever see a breakthrough. The majority of us don't ever see prayers answered. The majority of us don't ever really see that miracle that we're praying and believing for simply because we don't seek hard enough and we don't seek long enough. We quit. I mean, God wants to do something in your life, but you got to cooperate with him and we quit. We get discouraged. But friends, we have a promise. He is a man of his word. We have a promise that if we seek, we are going to find. If we knock, then that door is going to be open, friend. It doesn't say how long you got to seek or how hard you got to knock. But I'm telling you, if you wholeheartedly seek God and you don't stop, you're going to find him. That's the truth. Lastly, you got to search with this belief that he wants to be found. you got to have that deep down in your heart that he wants to be found. I'm telling you, he wants you to find him way more than you want to find him. You were created by a relationship, and your singular purpose was for a relationship with Jesus. And until you have that intimate relationship with Jesus, something's always missing from your life, friends. He wants to be found. You know, uh, my grandma passed away two, three months ago back in September. 
Oh, I loved her with my, all my heart. It's been very difficult, way, way harder than I anticipated it would be. There's, uh, you know, certain people in your life that, especially in this line of work, believe it or not, like a lot of people don't like me that much. It's hard for you to believe, isn't it? And people say things and do things, and it, I mean, it's, it's not always fun, okay? But you got those people in your life who are always your number one fan, right? That, that was her. Uh, not perfect, not, not, not even close. Uh, had some hurts, had some wounds that she didn't really let God heal. She was messed up, just like every single person in this room. We're all a little messed up, aren't we? We're all a work in prom- progress. One of the greatest lessons she taught me, she always lived in, in big homes, and the game that we loved to play the most was hide and seek. And I was very small, and um, she would hide, and maybe I just wasn't a very good seeker, but I always had trouble finding her. But she never hid for very long before I would hear, woo I'd run to that part of the house, and I still couldn't find her because I sucked at seeking. But a few minutes later, woo-hoo. Because the point of the game between my grandma and myself wasn't the hiding. The point was the finding. I mean, th- that, that's the joy of the game. And I know that it seems like some days that, that God's hiding. And I know it seems like some days like he's a million miles away and your prayers aren't getting through the roof. And I understand all those things. Again, I'm an ordinary dude. I experience all those same things. But you got to know that there's a God in heaven that wants you to find him. And you may never hear an audible woohoo from heaven. And if you do, you might need to get your head examined because that would be weird. But I believe that all through our lives, God puts little woohoos. He sprinkles them because He never stops looking for us. He never stops pursuing. He's the good shepherd. He leaves the 99 every single time. He never stops looking. And He's trying to get to you, and He's trying to get your attention, and He's trying to get your heart. So He sprinkles these little yoo-hoos all through your life. Maybe it's a person you work with, maybe it's somebody who invited you here this morning. Maybe it's any type of circumstance or situation, but even when you can't see it, even when you don't know it, even when you can't hear it, God's working behind the scenes. And I can tell you from experience, friends, that when you find Jesus, that he is worth the search. Everything that you're missing, everything that you're looking for, Everything that your heart desires is found in a singular place. His name's Jesus. Because he's anything and everything you need him to be. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a mother to the motherless. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, if you've got chains of addiction today, friends, he is a chain breaker. If your heart is broken, he is the mender of those hearts. And Jesus is the healer of your body, the healer of your mind, 
the healer of your emotions, the healer of your family. He's the healer of your marriage. He is everything that you need. And maybe, just maybe, I don't know why you're here or where you came from or what's going on in your life, but I have to believe that maybe, just maybe, unbeknownst to you, a little woo brought you here this morning. And if you would allow me, I would love to introduce you to the man that can change everything in your life. You got to give up some stuff to follow Jesus. You really do. You really do. You got to give up guilt. You got to give up shame. You got to give up pain. You got to give up rejection. You got to give up wound. I mean, yeah, you got to give up a lot of things to follow this man named Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I'm so thankful for every person that's in this room this morning, for the love that you have for us, for the great lengths that you've gone to to reach us. And God, I believe there's people here today that have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they've been in church their whole life, and they just, they can't tell you the day. Like, yeah, I remember the day, not the date, but I remember the day when I got saved. I remember when Jesus came into my heart, everything changed. Like, maybe they don't have that. Maybe like the Pharisees, they, they have a knowledge of who God is, but they have no relationship with you. Maybe this is the first time anyone's ever, someone's ever been in a church. Maybe they've lived their life their own way, and they've come to the end of themselves, and they're ready to turn over the reins. God, whatever the situation is, Lord, you know. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do a work in their heart right now. So friends, I just want to ask you today. No matter where you came from, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your background is, if you're here today and you would say, Mark, I'm just not sure that I've ever said yes to Jesus, but today I would like to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. With every head bowed and eye closed, I promise I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. But if that's you here today, right now, just lift up your hand. I want to say yes to Jesus. I see that hand, and I see that hand. Come on, lift those hands up. Don't be ashamed. The greatest decision you're ever going to make, I want to say yes to Jesus. Oh, come on. Church, put your hands together, man. Hands going up all around this room this morning. God is so good. If you would, would you grab the hand of the person next to you? Listen, it's not a magic prayer, but the Scripture says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So pray with me this morning. Say, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I need you to be my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you are the only way to heaven. God, from this day forward, my entire life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Come on, give him some praise this morning, church. Put that text on the screen for me. Listen, if you said yes to Jesus this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to text the word, I said yes, all one word, to the number 97000, because I want to talk with you and pray with you and make sure you got a Bible, make sure you're ready to start the adventure of a lifetime following Jesus. Amen. Dream City, I love you. Loaves of Love starts at 1 o'clock. Hey, get out there and make that tree naked before you leave. I mean, make that tree naked before you leave. Sign up to volunteer this week for the, for the field trips. God bless you guys.